It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good people. It's Ron Johnson, and this is Locked On Sports Minnesota's Friday Roundtable. I had a little bit of early showers out there, so we're going to shower the fans today with a little sports talk. Sun's coming out. Fun's going to come out. But hey, fellas, we got to get locked in on this show. It's a lot going on around the sports world. Of course, we know the Wild are done. The Timberwolves, sadly, uh, go into the night quietly. They don't even fight. They just go into the night quietly. But let's get locked in on the show, Luke. What you got? Ron, we haven't sat down and talked Vikings draft yet. So what you guys liked, what you didn't when it comes to Quasi's entire draft hall. And the Vikings have officially rounded out their 90-man roster. What position groups are we feeling good about? And which ones are a little shaky? I've got that for you coming up on today's show. And the Twins found a way to salvage their series in Chicago. But can this division be salvaged? Probably not. Ooh, 500 in the division. We will see. And, I mean, there's no uh, Wilder Wolves talk. But we have to talk about the NBA playoffs because it's still, it's still good. It's a great NBA playoffs. Unfortunately, the Timberwolves aren't in it. And the NHL playoffs. I mean, I watched the Dallas Stars. They, they're good. I'll give them that. And so we'll talk about our NFL, NBA playoffs. Also, it's never a Friday without talking about Vikings quarterback drama and Kirk Cousins. But this drama works in the Vikings' favor because I know some of you fans aren't going to agree with what we're about to talk about. They ranked the quarterbacks in the NFC and the AFC. Where did Kirk Cousins fall? Do you agree? Do you disagree? We'll talk about that coming up in a minute. But remember, people, the Twins play the Guardians tonight at 6 p.m. Central. The Twins are looking to increase their AL Central lead, and you can catch every pitch of the Twins' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the XSM app. Just search Twins, and you'll get all the action. Well, fellas, let's jump into this, man. Like, we got to talk about the Vikings draft. Uh, Agree or disagree, there was no, like, stupid trades, I guess you'll say. They They only had four to five. I mean, sorry, they only had five picks to start. So you can't be too mad at what happened, but I know the draft grades it came out. Uh, so I'll start with you, Luke. What's going on with the draft? Do you agree or disagree with what happened? I think, Ron, when you go into a draft with so many needs the Vikings had with such few picks, as you mentioned, there's almost no way you're going to feel amazing or perfect or given an A-plus at every position heading into training camp unless they were to find a way to move back and add a bunch of extra picks. And I think, especially after last year when Quasey ended up with 10 picks by the end, I think we all just kind of assumed heading into draft weekend – we would see a lot more wheeling and dealing than we did. In fact, you saw them taking the shot clock all the way down in the first round, trying to get a deal done. Had they been able to, maybe we'd all be talking about this draft hall a lot differently. So I didn't love the fact they weren't able to add extra picks. What I did love, though, is if you're only going to finish with six picks, bust open the wallet and go steal some of those top UDFAs available And that's where they crushed it. I mean, Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati, he's an absolute dog. He's going to have an immediate impact at linebacker early in his career, I think. Covered him in high school. Oh, there you go. Shout out. Andre Carter, guys, from Army, probably more of a two, three-year project, but crazy high upside, long, explosive pass rusher. And then my dark horse sleeper, Malik Knowles, wide receiver, Kansas State, 
running back turned wide out, three kickoff touchdowns on his resume. Write that name down. Think he's got a chance to make some noise come training camp as well. So even though I was disappointed, they only had six picks. When you stack the UDFA group on top of it, it makes you feel a lot better about the group in total going into training camp. And last thing I'll say real quick, I really wanted to go defense, guys. I wanted to give Brian Flores a real shot at turning this defense around, give him a new toy like Joey Porter Jr. But now that the dust has settled, it's been a week. I think they made the right choice investing into offense with Jordan Addison because it not only sets up Justin Jefferson to continue to be the best version of Justin Jefferson, which is so important for this team, but this is the NFL now where it's just a shoot them out, pass happy, who's got the ball last league. And unless you're putting up 30 points consistently, more times than not, you don't have a chance. So going offense with Addison, I think was the right move as much as some great defenders were sitting there on the board for the taking. What you got, Luke? Or sorry, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I wish I had Luke's draft knowledge. No, I, I think that when you have only two picks on the first two days of the draft, you got to nail them both. Mm-hmm. I think you could say the Vikings got a gem in Addison. I wish I felt a little better about Blackman. Um, and I, I agree with Luke. I think that based on how deep the wide receiver class was, which is to say not very deep, um, I think they made the right choice getting that receiver early waiting on corner because the cornerback class was as deep as we've ever seen. I just wish I felt a little better about Blackman's pick. I, I think they reached a little bit. Um, there are a couple couple warning signs there with his, you know, his, his age. He's 24, and he only had really one great year in college. So I'm just a little concerned about that pick. And then I think that the day three guys are generally going to be role players or backups, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, so I, I can't say they crushed it. I don't think they blew it either. I'm kind of in the middle, and I think Blackman will determine how I feel about this draft. Yeah, Reggie, what you got? Yeah, I, I like the the Addison pick. You know, Luke knows I was banging the table for Jamison Williams last year, and the gamble did not pay off. Nothing. Anyway, um, <laughs> so <laughs> it was delayed, but it got there. Uh, yeah. No, but I, I think – Here's the thing about this draft. I think, and Kwesi said this, he's really relying on last year's draft to really pay off because th- that was his first draft. And it was also a draft that he had a lot more picks and a lot more like players that he feels good about. You know, you talk about Lewis Seen, you talk about Andrew Booth Jr., Caleb Evans, those three guys really didn't have as much of an impact in their first year as maybe they wanted them to have. And so I think he's banking on a lot of these guys. You know, you br- you add Brian Asamoah into that mix as well, kind of panning out from last year and then just kind of peppering the guys from this year. I do agree with you, Luke. I think um, Ivan Pace probably went undrafted because of his size, but if he could, if he could just show that it, that is not a factor for him – I think he has a chance to be a steal of this uh, undrafted free agent class, and so I'm 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 tempering my expectations. I think they they changed the leader in the defense with Brian Flores, and they're like, okay, we got some pieces from last year that he can help mold, and we added a little bit of of depth this year with the draft, and we're gonna you know go ahead and try to you know everybody's Kirk Cousins talking about how well he's He's grasping the offense now in year two. So they're going to use Jordan Addison 
and air it out this year and hope that the defense can complement. Yeah, when I look at this draft class, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I, I like everything they did. The problem is you can only do what you have. So they couldn't go above and beyond and just get all these. I mean, what we didn't want was trading out of the first round and getting all these, you know, third, fourth round picks. And, and that was probably the only thing. People knew the Vikings only had, like when you, when everybody knows what you have, it's tough to make moves because you are now in the minority. You are behind the eight ball. You are the only team out there with that low number of picks. So every GM kind of knows. Also, GMs share information. So when so-and-so calls so-and-so, they'll also say like, oh, man, the Vikings called me, man. Did they call you? Like, they know. So they're all trying to figure out, well, what's the best option? And I truly feel like uh, they, they, they looked at every option, and the answer was, let's get the best available. Well, Jordan Addison is the best available. What is he going to do? He's going to help Justin Jefferson. He's going to help Kirk Cousins. I think that's the biggest answer to this question. Defensively, I feel like Brian Flores can take pieces of this puzzle that he got and he can make it work. Makai Blackman, I, I think he's going to be just fine in a system where he can play man. He's a really good man cornerback. He's going to have to learn some of the, the sneaky zone stuff, but he's a really good man cornerback. You look at Byron Murphy to, to partner with him. And then you go to the undrafted guys. Alan Ali, as a swing guard, can play center, played a little bit of tackle. I think that's a great one. About the height of Ivan Pace, Zach Thomas was 5'11". So I think at the end of the day, it's about the size of the heart and the fight in the heart of the dog is not the size of them. And at 5'10", it, it doesn't, like, depending on where they have him playing, if it's middle linebacker or some kind, you know, in a 3-4, he's going to be that scrape linebacker. He has the size and speed to cover that. Uh, he doesn't need to be 6'5". Now, it's nice to see a 6'5 guy out there, but at the end of the day, Zach Thomas at 5'11 was just fine. With his cleats on, Ivis Pace is, is six feet. So he's going to be just fine as a six-foot with cleats uh, linebacker, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. But as far as the draft picks, too, uh, I think Jaqueline Roy, Roy sorry, and uh, Jay Ward, those are two sneaky picks that I think are going to be really nice pieces uh, to this defense. When you think about a guy in Roy that can play the three technique and the five technique uh, if they need him to because can, you can move him out a little bit over the tackle. He can also play between the guards. And so I think he's going to be a sneaky piece to kind of move around Harrison Phillips and bounce on both sides of the uh, of the uh of the equation and be able to shift and move where you know it's not just going to be the front when they line up it's going to be what happens after he can slant he can he can take on a guard center so i mean when you watch his film he's tackling you know georgia running backs five yards down the field the guy's range so i like it I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of it i think this is a good draft class uh we have to move on to the next topic but before we do we have a word from our sponsors yeah guys today we are brought to you again by built bar delicious snacks that are good for you yes they've got low sugar low calories high protein healthy and tasty 100 real dark chocolate flavors like churro peanut butter brownie cookies and cream incredible macros i'm telling you 17 grams of protein plus unbelievable flavors and you can get them at your local walmart or sam's club just go to the pharmacy section pick up the four bar box or the 13 bar box get flavors like cookies and cream double chocolate or coconut puff yes check it out you can also get specialty flavors online at built.com go run and load up on some built bars today you can thank me later well, now that the Vikings roster is set, they brought in some guys from overseas from the international program, but what they got down to the 90. Now, this 90 can change, and it's fluid because through minicamp, rookie minicamp, all this stuff, as guys get released, guys are going to get picked up. But there's somebody on the waiver wire. They're going to try to grab a guy that they like that they maybe saw in the draft when they, you know, did he didn't get drafted, he's undrafted, and they're like, ah, the guy we bought in is the guy we thought. So 
it's it's going to be fluid. But as it's set right now, are there any position groups that you feel like are the best? And are there any that you feel like the worst heading or need help heading into training camp? And I'll start with you, Reggie. Yeah, so I, I think one of the things that kind of bothers me is just how fluid things are with Daniil Hunter, with Zadarius Smith. And you got some cornerbacks coming back that, you know, Caleb Evans dealt with those concussions last year. Andrew Booth Jr. dealt with multiple injuries last year and ended up missing the rest of the season. And so you're kind of really like banking on guys. You know, you brought in Byron Murphy, but he missed most of last season with with an injury. So it's a little scary. You, you kind of look at some of these position groups on defense. I think the defense is really what I'm I'm kind of looking forward to. The the linebacker group, I, I kind of don't really have too much of a concern with them. I think Asamoah is going to step in good, and and Jordan is going to be a productive player again. And so I, I I'm not really concerned there. But as far as like that secondary goes, and just th- those two rush positions, I'm just not sure what to think. And then you have the whole Dalvin Cook situation as well. What are they going to do there? So there's a lot of question marks headed into uh, OTAs and camp. Yeah, there was really only one glaring issue with this offense all last season. And it was obvious all the way up to the very last play of the year. That was the interior blocking up front between Bradbury, who was kind of off and on, and then he got hurt at the end. Ingram, who played like a rookie. And then Ezra Cleveland, who I think quietly underwhelmed just a little bit. Kirk Cousins was hit and pressured more than any quarterback in the entire league last year, and they did nothing to get better. And you heard Brian O'Neill at this week's press conference saying the continuity, that's going to be a huge help, just having all five guys back this year with things like the communication. But, I mean, Ron, tell me if I'm wrong. Things like continuity can only mask talent for so long. And to not draft any interior help and only add what you mentioned, one UDFA center from TCU, that worries the heck out of me. Because when Bradbury went down at the end of the year, this offense, I think it quietly went down with him. So those last few weeks, he had backups like, you know, Schlotman, Chris Reed, Josh Sokol in the mix. They've kind of already proven they can't be depended on and they're not the long-term answer there. So I think the same can be said, too. For the defensive line as well. I mean, they weren't known for being dominant up front. They were solid, maybe slightly above average. But then you lose your best defensive lineman and Delvin Tomlinson in the middle. And you expect guys like Tonga, fifth-round rookie, Dean Laurie to step in and not skip a beat. I'm a little worried about those two positions up front. They decided to use their assets, their draft ammo in the passing game with Addison on offense and then two DBs early. And I think that's going to pay off in a big way this year. But these games, guys, they're still won and lost in the trenches. And both those areas don't really drum up a ton of confidence for me until I see otherwise. Yeah, Sam, what you got? Yeah, back to Reggie's point, I think it's interesting with those defensive ends because as of today, you could say it's a major strength of the team with the guys they have on the roster with Sedarius Daniil and Marcus Davenport, mm-hmm. and it could very quickly turn into a weakness. So I'll, I'll hold off on judging that until we get resolution on Z and Daniil, but the cornerback group reminds me a bit of 2020 when they tried to develop guys on the fly. Remember week one in 2020, they took on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and their starting corners were a rookie, Cameron Dantzler, um, Mike Hughes off injury, and Holton Hill, who I think was in his third year but was completely unproven. He'd had suspensions. He'd had injuries. uh, And that was their starting group. 
This year, it could be Byron Murphy, Andrew Booth, and uh, Jay Ward. I don't know. I don't know. That's the problem. I don't know two-thirds of your starting cornerback group. So I, I think that's a, a big concern. If you have guys that are getting exposed at the cornerback position, you just don't have help. You're completely on an island against these great cornerbacks. It's not like if you're a rookie defensive tackle and you're part of a unit. When you're a cornerback, you are kind of operating. I know, I know you have like help over the top and help on the inside, whatever, but you are largely on your own having to stop the guy in front of you. And I worry if the Vikings have super inexperienced players at two of those starting spots. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with the best being the wide receivers. I mean, that's an easy one. Justin Jefferson, uh, Addison. But when you look at the rest of the names, I mean, Cephas is is 6'5", 220 pounds. Now, yes, he's a converted quarterback, uh, but we've seen that happen before. We've seen this story before with quarterbacks coming out of college uh, who are athletes, and they decide to say, you know what, maybe quarterback's not for me anymore. Uh, I'll try receiver. And who knows? He might make it as a practice squad guy or, you know, who knows what happens. And then he becomes the emergency quarterback uh, if everybody gets sick or something. I mean, look at the Denver Broncos when they didn't have a quarterback situation or a guy that could even take a, a snap. Um, but, you know, you you just look at the competition in that room with Cephas Johnson, Malik Knowles. Uh, we was talking about Thayer. You got K.J. Osborne, Jalen Naylor. We know they're going to be there. You got a guy in Jalen Rager who's a former first-round pick, who we're talking about might not make the team. I mean, that's that's a lot of weapons in that receiver room, so that's going to go with my best. Uh, my worst right now for me is the linebackers. I just feel like I don't know what you have in that middle linebacker group. I guess if you want to throw Daniil Hunter, because that's the question. Do you throw Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith and uh, what you call it as DNs, or do you throw them in the linebacker group? Because that's the question. Like, D-line could get worse or better depending on where you decide to make those outside linebackers. And so that's why when I'm just looking at interior linebacker, uh, we know Hicks, but is Hicks good without Eric Kendricks? What does he look like without Eric? Can, can Brian Asamoah come through and be the athlete that we know he can? Um, you know, and, and I don't know what they could have done there. I mean, honestly, the only answer I think was keeping Eric Kendricks. Uh, there's not a lot, but that's a lot of money. And so uh, we don't know what Brian Flores' defense is going to look like, how he's going to have it set. Um, but it is what it is. But those are my two. I just I, I I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Brian Asamoa get I guess unleashed in this offense. I feel like Jay Ward could possibly come down, or even Lewis Seen maybe comes down and becomes some kind of outside linebacker or rover helper um, because we know that's a possibility as well. Because Brian Flores, as we talk about multiple set defenses, he does a lot of stuff. Uh, we got to move on to the next topic. The Twins are the only team above 500 in the division. The AL Central is horrible. They are, but it's baseball. So I'm not going to go there because it's 162 games, right? 162 games is a lot. So you could end up 80 and 80 at the end of the season for some of these teams. And we've seen that happen. We've also seen teams get out and then they fall back. Now, I don't know if the rest of the AL Central is doing what uh, uh, the, the Cleveland team did in that movie, Major League, uh, where you take your owner, you put a bikini on her and you rip off her clothes every time you win the game. Sam, that's a movie. A, yeah, uh, Sam might 90s. not have seen Major League. Uh, have you seen that, Sam? Major League, yeah. Um, Bob Euchre, just a bit outside. Yep, Wesley Snipes, still in bases, you know, putting his mattress outside because he wasn't invited to training camp. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if that was Major League 1 or 2 or which one, but I know the, the owner wanted to sell the team, and so they had to win in order to whatever, get a new ownership or keep the team. And so every time they won, they took a piece of clothes off of her people for those listening. Uh, and it was it was very interesting. So I don't know what these other teams are going to do to get their guys motivated, but I'll start with you, Sam. Uh, what's going on with the AL Central? And can the Twins remain above 500 this whole way? 
Ron, you are right to pump the brakes because we saw this last year. The Twins had the fast start. Nobody else was even touching them. And then Cleveland came on really strong at the end of the year, and they just wiped the floor with the Twins. So sometimes it takes a bit to hit your stride. Um, But if you look at the trajectory of these teams, the, the Royals are kind of bottoming out in their rebuild right now. I'm not sure when they are going to turn the corner, but they're they're not a threat whatsoever. The White Sox were not supposed to be this bad. I know they changed managers, um, but this is kind of an unexpected swoon that they're in to start the year, and they may not recover from it with their new manager. The Tigers are supposed to be the the, the team and Ron, your your Motown Tigers, they are actually supposed to be coming out of this rebuild. I could see Detroit maybe turning a corner midseason if they get some guys hitting their stride. Cleveland, again, was young. Uh, They were really a surprise last year. I think Cleveland could come on, too. So I don't think the Twins are going to be alone the whole season. But all in all, the division is gettable. I mean, it's not going to take 90 wins. I think it might take 85. If the Twins can just, again, avoid the injuries, turn the bats on a little bit, the offense is still pretty underwhelming. Uh, and, and I think they can, they can win this division with the pitching they have. They play Cleveland this weekend, a chance to go up by like four and a half, maybe even six and a half games if they sweep. Yeah, Lou, what you got? Your record is your record. The Sox, Royals, and Tigers, 30 and 61 records so far, combined 91 games. So there's a lot of baseball left, but definitely feels like a little deja vu all over again from what we saw last season in this division specifically. Hopefully that's not the case come September, as Sam mentioned, because that's when the wheels really fell off for the Twins. That's when Cleveland got just red hot right at the end. Twins were 11 and 21 that final month. Guardians went 40 and 21 in their last 61 games. So this has quietly, I think, become the biggest rivalry in my eyes in the division after watching these two teams last year. And remember, too, guys, with the MLB's new schedule format that's much more balanced now, every team plays every team in the league, now we lose out on two series between the Twins and Guardians. So now every series is more magnified and every game could be critical in the final standings once we get down to the end. And probably what's worrying the most is the Twins are already struggling with pitching injuries again. Tyler Malley being shelled for the next month. You got Kenta Maeda. I think he's dealing with a tricep strain right now. Luckily, they got more depth this time around. But from everything that we've seen, this division is kind of shaping out a lot like it did last year with Cleveland and Minnesota, your top two dogs. Tigers, as Sam mentioned, too, I'm with you. Can't count them out quite yet. They're only a couple games back from Cleveland. Reggie? Yeah, I think what's concerning is what the big bats do with runners in scoring position. Like, Correa hit a home run yesterday, and it's great. It was a solo shot. But, you know, when he's coming up, the last couple games, when he's coming up with runners in scoring position – He's not really doing what they're paying him all that money to do. And I know it's it's easy to criticize him and, you know, all that. But, I mean, the dude is supposed to be, you know, a dude for them. Uh, Buxton looks like this whole, like, DH situation is is working out really well for him. And the Twins have found a way, you know, around that with, you know, gold glovers like Michael A. Taylor in the outfield. Joey Gallo has been really good for them. And so it's just interesting, though, because this team does feel kind of like last year when you think about them winning the games that they're supposed to and not doing that. Like this week presented a great opportunity. Like 
Chicago was was an eight-win team heading into the series, and they had a chance to kind of really balloon that lead early on, and they lose two. They go to extras two out of the three games, and they, they got one yesterday. But it, it, I think it still kind of leaves a bit to be desired. Pablo pitched well, didn't get the run support after a couple a couple shaky starts from him. And so it, it's it's – it's it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough because you don't want to see the slide that you saw last year when they were just kind of leading everything in the division and then it just all came crashing down. I do think that the pitching depth is is better. Uh, Emilio Pagan looks better <laughs> so far. It's still early, early returns on that. But uh, the, the pitching depth, you lose a guy like Kenta, you lose a guy like Malley, and you're able to bring Bailey Ober up and Louis Varlin. And Louis Varlin is, has struggled in his in his two starts in the bigs, but you do like that you have that type of depth that you can call down the AAA and kind of help some of the guys that, you know, inevitably kind of struggle with their, their injuries. But right now, early returns, Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray, they look great. Just got to continue to give them that run support that they need. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go with this. When you look at Sam and you and you said this, it could change really fast. 14 and 17. If the Guardians win these three and somehow sweep the Twins, they're 17 and 17. So it can change in one series. So that's the thing about baseball. I don't ever really put my heart into it until the playoffs. I hate to say it. I'm sorry. Because uh, it doesn't matter right now. Like, it's great. I think it's great uh, camaraderie, chemistry. You want to get the bats going. You want to get some confidence. Because that's that's what I've learned is like when 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 people are confident, like my daughter's softball team, I'm coaching her eight U softball team now. I've moved on. My, my older daughter's playing club. And the bats were alive for these eight-year-old little girls. I mean, we won that game 17-0 to zero against Edina. Uh, Chan hasn't whooped the Edina Hornets 17 to nothing. Uh, and what I noticed, though, was the confidence. Like, the first girl struck out. But then my daughter came up, hit a nice one, base hit. Next girl hit, uh, one into the field, into the grass, which means it's a double. So, you know, you ought, unless they can get the ball and stop it. So my daughter goes from first to third, and then the bats just took off. Girls just got it going. The next inning, we score five innings. Next inning, we score five innings. And so that's what I look at with, with the MLB. You have to get, like, the bat, like Reggie said, get the bats going. But when I look at the pitching, the best part of this weekend is going to be game two and three. Sonny Gray, 4-0, and you got Joe Ryan, 5-0. That's the key. If they can't win those games with those two on the on the hill, we're, we're like Sam said, it's going to come down. It's going to come crashing down at the end. But again, if they come out and dominate with this whole pitch count and these two minute and thirty minute, two hour thirty minute games, Twins will be just fine. Uh, we before we move on to the last one, we got two quick ones before we get out of here. Not quick ones. We got two more topics before we get out of here. Of course, we got to talk about Kirk Cousins. Uh, we have to. We have to talk about this quarterback thing. I, it just is what it is. And then also these playoff runs, Warriors, Lakers. Uh, it's going away exactly how I thought it was going to go for the home teams. Uh, but before we do that, we have another word from our sponsors. Yeah, how about um, NFL Draft Buzz? It's the Locked On Sports Minnesota produced newsletter from Luke Inman, our man. Uh, distributed to all the, the Locked On Draft fans. LockedOnPodcast.com slash newsletters to subscribe. That's LockedOnPodcast.com slash newsletters to get draft intel to your inbox and get all the draft reaction off of last week's NFL Draft. Well, the NBA and NHL playoffs are upon us. I'm a huge fan of the NBA. I know Sam's an NHL guy, so I'll let Sam take the lead on that. But when you're talking about the NBA, I mean, I don't think – because we always talk about the scripted NFL. 
the script writers couldn't have wrote a better script for the way that the the teams matched up. You got the Celtics 76ers. You got LeBron versus Steph Curry. I mean, LeBron and Steph Curry. That's that's what's gonna. That's money. Everybody's the star. Jessica Alba showing up to the Knicks games. I mean, come on, Sauce Gardner, Aaron Rodgers. This is what the playoffs was about: getting the stars out. And so, when you look at the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs, we can't talk about the t- Twins or sorry, the Timberwolves in the uh, Wild. But I'll start with you, Luke. What are you looking forward to the down the stretch of these NBA or NHL playoffs? Just pick one. I'll admit I don't watch a ton of hockey during the regular season, but man, come playoff time, there's really not much better than NHL playoffs. You can sit down and turn on almost any game and have no skin in the game whatsoever, just as a neutral observer, and you will be entertained from start to finish. That's how good these playoffs have been, especially with so many upsets already. You got last year's champs, the Avs, they get knocked out. You got the Stanley Cup favorites, the Bruins, they got stunned. Kings and Rangers, they're out of it already as well. So it's been absolutely wild just to watch these NHL playoffs unfold the way they have. As far as the NBA, real quick, Knicks Heat, Great rivalry. They go all the way back. You got Steph versus LeBron, as you mentioned. That's top-notch entertainment. But maybe, honestly, for me, the best series of them all right now, Sixers Celtics. Top two yeah. seats left in the East after the Bucks get bounced. Between NHL and NBA playoffs, man, a lot of great sports happening these next two, three weeks. Yeah, Reggie? Yeah, man. It's all about the Lake Show for me, okay? <laughs> Lake show all day. So that first game was absolutely scintillating. You know, the I, I really like how these Lakers are are built. It's so interesting. They they've kind of added these Timberwolves players. Uh, Beasley doesn't necessarily crack the rotation like um, maybe you thought he would, especially with him kind of being a little in, inconsistent with the three point shot, which is really what you brought him there for. But Man, Jared Vanderbilt has been a a revelation. Like, the dude has been shooting threes, not just shooting threes, making them. He's rebounding. He's starting for the Lakers. He is starting. And then D'Lo just seems like a really good fit for that team, even with some of those errant shots that he is bound to make. I think LeBron, being with him, actually is upping his basketball IQ, which is really good for – him and really good for me as a Lakers fan. This is just the Lakers are fun to watch, and I really haven't seen them be this fun to watch since their uh, bubble finals run. And so I'm excited to see how far they go. The the Warriors have that championship DNA. So last night was just like, oh man, I want Anthony Davis to show up. He can't have nights like he did last night, or it's going to be a long, long, well maybe short series. And, and so I'm I'm looking forward to this series. That that to me, beyond any of them, is one of the most exciting series because you have LeBron, 38 years old, still playing at a high level against Steph, who's at the very top of his game. ESPN had a, a graphic yesterday on SportsCenter. They were like, in game one, Curry held to 27 points in Warriors' loss. Held to 27 points. That's a great stat. For anybody other than Steph Curry, but that's the expectation. So that to me, that's what I'm looking forward to in this playoffs. Sam, what you got? Yeah, I'll give the NHL a little love here. Two things. (laughs) There are two upstart teams that people should really try to get behind right now. One of them is Florida, who barely snuck in to the Eastern Conference playoff field. By one point, they got in over Pittsburgh. They're the, the lowest seed. 
Not only do they knock off the best regular season team in NHL history, the Boston Bruins, but they are up on hockey craze Toronto 2-0 in this series going home. They have a chance to sweep the Maple Leafs. Um, And then the Kraken, the second-year Seattle Kraken, the lovable Kraken, who take down the defending Stanley Cup champions and now are tied 1-1 with Dallas. Those two teams are kind of fun to get behind, and it shows the parity of the NHL playoffs. Second thing, we are headed towards a ratings disaster. A ratings disaster. People are going to lose money because the final four teams in the NHL playoff field could very well be in Dallas, Florida, um, Carolina, Carolina, and Las Vegas. Four non-traditional, warm-weather hockey markets that don't have any national appeal. And even if Edmonton or uh, Toronto win, the American outlet or the TV outlets lose the ratings for those Canadian markets because those go to the Canadian feed. So it's going to be a ratings disaster. Um, no one's going to watch, and it's a shame because it's going to be really good hockey. Well, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's got to be the NBA. I, I agree, though, Sam, or I think Reg, Luke said it. When you turn on the TV and there's just a hockey game on for a minute, it's you can just watch it because it is cool. They do move faster. Um, I actually got, like, the Dallas kid, the Roberson kid. Uh, I'm not sure where he's from, but I think he's, like, Asian descent, like one of the first – like his story got me too. Like that was a cool story to hear about uh, him trying to grow the game of hockey. And then you hear Snoop Dogg talking about he's trying to buy the Ottawa team now. He's in the group. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Like if, if, if Snoop buys Ottawa, I'm getting an Ottawa hat. Like I, I will be in Ottawa. Uh, unfortunately, sorry, Wild fans. But I'll have two teams because uh, you, you cannot not support Snoop Dogg. Uh, when he's trying to get hockey growing for the African-American community. You know, I know a friend of my son, uh, uh, A.J. Buckner, her, her son plays hockey. He's an African-American kid. You know, we had J.T. Brown on the show, African-American, talking about growing the sport. Because uh, they said, how many, I think they asked, how many African-Americans are in the NHL? And I think it's 34. And, and that's a, you know, I think that's like one or two per team, like one per team. So we think about that, like, yeah, it can grow. There, there are kids that can't afford it. So how can we help them understand to get on the ice. So when you're looking at the playoffs, I, I like hearing those storylines. That's the cool thing about the playoffs too, because there's a lot of uh, air time to like air out some of these player stories, going into their backgrounds. But when it comes to the NBA, it, it's it's like March Madness. It's super exciting. I agree, Reggie. I'm all for the Lakers. I'm a LeBron fan. Uh, when the home team loses the first game, and people always wonder like why that second game, the home team blows it out. It's because it's do or die. Like, if you go down 2-0 and you lose your home court advantage now because you've given up two games at home, it's pretty much over for you. Like, LeBron is 24-0 and in playoff series when he goes up 2-0 in the series. So the fact that he was able to, like, I mean, the fact that that happened, like, come on now, we knew Steph Curry was going to be in zombie mode. And, and, and him and Clay, they were just out there like zombies just shooting to, like, till they couldn't see no more. Uh, so it's going back to L.A., though. The star Shannon Sharp is going to be there. We know that all the stars are going to be out in L.A., so that would be fun. But I'm actually disappointed in the Nuggets Suns. Like, I thought the Nuggets Suns was going to be a little bit more competitive. And Chris, like, Chris Paul, death, taxes, and Chris Paul getting hurt in the playoffs, those are things you can always count on because – he every single year he gets a soft tissue and I don't know who his trainer is. I don't know if he's doing too many state farm commercials. I don't know what it is, but he always finds a way to, like he needs to use his state farm stand in guy for some of the playoff games. So he doesn't get hurt because he always gets hurt. But it is what it is. Jokic is about to go to the Western Conference finals because I don't see the Suns. I mean, unless Devin Booker can pull a rabbit out of the hat. I don't see it happening. Uh, Kevin Durant to me is too negative when they're down. DeAndre Ayton is too worried about doing TikToks. 
Like it just doesn't work for the Suns. But I am I'm, I am happy for the. I want the 76ers to win and I want the Lakers to win. Those are I, don't, I love James Harden and I like LeBron James. So that's what I'm excited about. I do want to see Jimmy Butler, but at the same time, I don't really care about the Knicks Heat. I think either way, uh, both of them deserve it at this point. But the AFC will be nice to see go even further to the Eastern Conference because I don't know if we've ever had an AFC get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I have to look into that. Uh, but we got to get into the next one. Also, remember, people, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On Sports. That's go to FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to get started today. Make every moment more. You can't bid or you sorry, you can't bet on the Wild and the Timberwolves, but you can sure bet on those Suns to lose. Trust me. You want a lock? That's a lock. You can lock that bet in because they will lose. I'm just telling you. Bet on the Nuggets. I, I told you that last time to bet on the Nuggets against the Timberwolves. And what happened? The Timberwolves lost in, in what, four? So, Bet, did the Timberwolves even win a game in that yeah, series? Yeah, they won game four. They won one. Give them, okay. Give them their flowers. Okay, I'll give them their flowers. They won one game. But other than that, <laughs> I told you to bet on the Nuggets, so bet on the Nuggets to beat the Suns. That's the lock. If you want a locked-on bet, there you go. Go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on and get started today. Um, last one, fellas. We talked about this, quarterbacks. Uh, Jaron Hall is coming to the Vikings. Kirk Cousins is one of the most healthiest quarterbacks, so he's a rookie that's not going to play. We'll talk about that next week. Quarterbacks that we think will play, like Brock Purdy would have been a top contender last year because we know Jimmy Garoppolo has never seen a whole season. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is better in a suit than he is in his uniform. Like, that's the only way he can't get hurt. Uh, and so now they're saying, because uh, where did Garoppolo go? The Raiders, right? So they're saying the Raiders back up is most likely to play because Jimmy Garoppolo will find a way to get hurt. I don't know why he, him and Chris Paul must hang out together because they both find ways to always keep getting hurt. Uh, that's one of those guys on that list. Uh, another one I think was Andy Dalton. I don't know why. I don't remember him getting hurt much, but maybe, and he probably doesn't even play, um, you know, because I think I'm guessing it's going to be Bryce Young. So that's a stupid one to kind of bet on. But we talk about quarterbacks. There's a list. Kyle Brandt brought this up. AFC, NFC. I, te I text you guys the list, so you guys already know the list. Uh, but there's an AFC, NFC list, people, and it was tiers. It was seven tiers. All the rookies on both sides ended up in the bottom tier. So we want to talk about C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, uh, Anthony Richardson, and then uh, C.J. Uh, or sorry, Bryce Young. Uh, but they put Love, not Kevin Love, but Jordan Love, in the six tier six. They put Jalen Hurts in tier one. Your boy Kirk Cousins is a tier two quarterback. You know who also is in tier two? Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Goff, tier three, Aaron Rodgers in tier three, and Lamar Jackson, and that's where the slander begins. There is no way Lamar Jackson and, and Aaron Rodgers should be below Kirk Cousins. I, I think either they all need to be tier two or they all need to drop down to tier three, but I cannot put Lamar Jackson and... Aaron Rodgers below Kirk Cousins. It just doesn't work for me. I'm sorry, uh, but I'll start with you, uh, Sam. What do you think about this list? Yeah, I I don't think that this is meant to compare apples to apples. Like I think that it's based on conference, right? So true, Cousins true. is yep. tier two in the NFC, and that speaks to maybe the the below average quarterback play in the NFC. True. If Kirk Cousins was on the AFC side, what would I would probably put him in tier four? Right below Rodgers, below Jackson, below Herbert, below Burrow, mm. below Allen. I, I put him in tier three. I put I, him in three with Rodgers and Jackson. Yeah, and Herbert. Okay, okay. I I would put him like three and a half. I think he'd be <laughs> above Watson, <laughs> above Wilson as he is now. Um, but I think that he's I think that he's perfect in tier two in the NFC. Yeah, I think that I that's agree. a perfect spot for him. Reggie. 
Yeah, so look, back in the day, my grandma and grandpa <laughs> at the house, they didn't have cable. So I watched a lot of soap operas and Kyle Brandt was on Days of Our Lives. <laughs> and so he's for the drama, obviously, obviously, you know, so I look at this list and it look, it makes sense. He didn't put the rookies up there. He wanted to, you know, establish that they have to prove themselves first. I just saw a report this morning talking about Bryce Young may not, you know, be the starter right away. They they might make Andy Dalton QB one. There's yep. no timetable. He'll get hurt when he's going to start. He'll be hurt. But yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> they they always say that. But honestly, these these QB tiers, it's kind of crazy how much better the AFC is than the NFC. Like. Yeah. Matthew Stafford is only a couple years removed from winning a Super Bowl, and he's in tier two with Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott, and you're just like, I don't know. That's something about that just feels weird. And so you you put Carr in the tier three, and he hasn't even played a down in the NFC yet. So this whole thing is just kind of is just kind of weird to me. They put Mayfield, well, not they, Kyle put Mayfield and Purdy together. I I, I don't really know. But I think if, if Cousins was on the AFC side, he'd probably be, like Sam said, somewhere, he'd probably be in that tier four. I put him on the level with, with Wilson and, and Watson, but he might have the slight edge because Wilson and Watson were coleslaw last year. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with Sam. Like, this can't be an apples to apples. I mean, it, it, and to Reggie's point, it is absolutely insane how loaded the AFC and how weak the NFC, how, how much it's open and vulnerable for the taking. We talked about Quasi and the Wills and the organization doing this competitive rebuild. I think on paper, a lot of people said they should do what the Bears did and Ryan Pohl stripped the whole thing down to the studs. But when you look at this NFC, it's just so wide open. It's just so tempting to try and stay competitive because anybody can have a shot. And what's even more crazy is the AFC is already loaded. And granted, the NFC got Bryce Young, the number one overall pick. That helps. Jordan Love could be something. Got young guys like Sam Howell and Desmond Riddle. We'll see. But the AFC is not only stacked about three, four times as much as the NFC, but they added C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson to the mix. So we'll see two, three years down the road, guys. This could be even more lopsided than it is now. Yeah, I'm I, the way I look at this list, I mean, I, I totally agree with it. I think after a couple games, if, like I said, Aaron – or. Uh, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Dalton gets hurt and CJ Young play or sorry, CJ Young, Bryce Young plays. I think I mean, I'm looking at this list. He goes right into tier four. Like, I, I think CJ or CJ Young. Why do I keep saying this? Bryce Young, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are one person. Uh, Bryce Young goes into tier four. Like I'm looking at Danny Dimes and looking at Justin Fields and Murray. I, I would take Murray and put him down in five. Uh, Kyler Murray to me doesn't belong in tier four. Um I don't think he's even tall enough to fit in that ride. Like he has to be in, in tier five uh, when you think about it. And I think that was another team, the Cardinals quarterback. They were saying whoever that backup is, he's probably going to start the season because because I don't think Kyler Murray's even going to be ready to go out the gate. So I got to I gotta move him up. But Kirk Cousins, yeah. In the NFC tier two, in the AFC, I would say tier 2.5. Like I, I think he's right below Burrow and Allen. He went head-to-head uh, with both at one point in his career. He beat Allen. Now, granted, Allen fumbled the ball, but Kirk Cousins made the throws. Uh, but again, I agree with Reggie. Like Kyle Brandt loves some drama. Uh, he did a whole like pregame commercial like music video 
poem about Kirk Cousins wearing like you know a barbecue outfit in the garage and drinking beer and yeah so he he has a love affinity for Kirk Cousins we know that so he's more than welcome uh on the locked on uh family uh and especially the Ron Johnson show because um you know we're Kirk Cousins friendly over here like we 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 love it um but Ron Ron yeah. real real quick uh I would have put Ryan Tannehill on that level with Jimmy Garoppolo, but he didn't even put Ryan Tannehill on oh, his list. Oh, yeah. No real respect. There. Disrespect. Because, yeah. that's, I mean, honestly, I think that's what they're thinking, that the Tannehill days are over. Like, Tannehill, they know what they can get out of him. They're talking about trading Derrick Henry, maybe. So, I think they're done with this whole, like, ground and pound quarterback can run a little bit. I think they're trying to move into a guy that can throw the ball 60 yards from his knees and uh, end up like Zach Wilson at some point. So, I mean, I don't know. That's that's where I feel like when you throw the ball from your knees where you end up, you end up in Zach Wilson territory. Um, the good thing, though, is uh, he's out in Tennessee, so there I don't think there's a lot of Cougars from to deal with out there. So he should be fine um, because we know he had the TikTok. A lot TikTok. of bachelorette parties in Tennessee, Ron. True, but he had the uh, he had the uh, the the girlfriend that went viral in the draft room. So I, I think he's he'll be fine without the Cougars. Um, but yeah, no, I I do think they're trying to move on from Tannehill. I, I think that's the goal when they talk about trading Derrick Henry. I think they're trying to revamp and start over. I I still think they're pissed off they traded away AJ Brown. I think I don't think they'll ever get over that. That's going to be one of those like the Minnesota Vikings talking about you know or the Timberwolves. Why did we get Steph Curry? Like I think. You know, getting rid of AJ Brown for them is always going to be like, why did we do that? Why, why did we let this guy go? Because uh, he might end up winning the Super Bowl with the Eagles. Uh, but we'll see. But I'm Ron Johnson. That's Reggie Wilson. That's Luke Inman. That's Sam Extra. We want to thank you guys for joining us today on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Friday Roundtable. Lots of fun, lots of fact, a little bit of fiction, but a lot of love. I'm Ron Johnson again. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. I want you guys to have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.